Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that He gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. We're in a series entitled Jesus Wishlist. We've been asking the question, uh, what would Jesus want for Christmas? Because after all, it was his birthday, and, and we seem to, to make it all about us. And so we've been asking this question for the last month or so. And so today, I want to wrap this series up with a, uh, a little bit different angle. We're going to kind of turn the corner and look, look towards 2022. And uh, so let me just tell you, something has been working on me. I've been up here teaching for the last several weeks, and, and we kept going back to Luke chapter 2, as you guys know. And there's a line in there that I just kind of let work on me, and hopefully it'll work on you a little bit. It comes out of uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 20. And uh, it, it literally says in this passage, this is after the angels appeared to the shepherds, and the shepherds have gone in. They found baby Jesus. They told everybody. Everybody was astonished by what they had, they had said. And then it says this in 20, the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. And that, that phrase in there, they went back to their flocks. Uh, so, some of the translations say they, they go back, they, they went back to the fields. What were the flocks? What were the fields for them? Anyone? Yeah, it's, it's what they did, right? It was their jobs. It was, it was their, their work. That's what they did. And so here we are on the 26th. We're through Christmas. And for many of us, we're going to turn a corner. And we're going to head back into the normalcy of life, right? We're going to get back into the rhythm of work. We've got to get back to, you know, real life, right? And we've got to jump back into that. And for some people, that can be very depressing. Uh, it's why the Hallmark channel does so well in the, in the month of January, right? It's, it's why Cozy plays Christmas music clear into the middle of January, because there's a lot of people that will kind of drop off the ledge. And, and I, I want you to know, as believers in Jesus Christ, you don't have to drop off the ledge. Like, this is a good thing. The shepherds went back to their flocks. Okay, Jesus is here. We can go back to doing what we were doing, and we can do it to glorify him. It says that they were glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. So this is not the season for depression. This is the season for excitement, of anticipation, of getting excited about what God is going to do in 2022. Uh, if you would, grab your Bibles, head over to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at uh, verse, verses 2 through 8 today. And uh, I, hopefully you've got the Bible with you. If not, you can open up uh, your your phone uh, or your device, you can head over and download the MVF Colorado app. That's one way to do it. If you have the app, uh, under the Sunday button, you actually have all these verses that we're going to use this morning in order for you, as well as message notes if you want to take message notes. And then you can email them to yourself for future reference as well. So there's a different way of getting more out of today's message. But uh, I'm excited because here we are at the end of 2021, moving into 2022. Uh, we do this every year, right? We, we hope that next year is going to be better. Like we, we anticipate a better year than what we just went through. And I tell you what, after the last two years, I'm ready for a better year. Anyone? I'm ready. I want it. I want a better year this next year. And so uh, one of the things I kept looking at was this idea that, you know, we get to the New Year's uh, time of the season, we always make these resolutions is what we call them. 
Uh, we're going to get better. We're going to do this better. I'm going I'm to lose 15 pounds. I'm going to work out more. I'm going you know, to go for that promotion at work. I'm going I'm to be a better father. I'm going to be a better mother, whatever it is, right? Um, I was going to say a better teenager, but I don't think I ever said that when I was a teenager. But anyway, uh, we are looking at a new year. We want it to be better. And so here's, here's going to be my challenge to you today is I want to share something with you that I think if you find this, not only is it going to make this next year better for you, but it's going to make the rest of your life better. I don't know if anyone wants that, but I hope so. Because this, this changed my life when I realized this, and, and it really changed the trajectory of my life and, and everything about it. Uh, so let's take a look at this. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 2, it says, Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is perfect I'm sorry, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Uh, I don't know how many of you really want to know what that is, but man, I do. I do. I, I love the way this starts off. Some of your translations say, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, this, this says, let God change the way that you think. Uh, that there's something that has to happen in our mind uh, God transforms us by changing the way that we think. And that, what that means is the way that we see the world around us, the way that we see him, the way that we see each other. When he transforms that, it changes everything about our lives. How does God transform our thinking? How does he change our thinking? Well, I think the way he does that is obviously through his word. Uh, the more we get into the word of God, he starts to form and shape our minds around the way that he wants us to see things, the way he's created and designed things. Uh, another way is through prayer. When we spend time in prayer, God is allowed to work on our minds and hearts. We open ourselves up to him, and, and he begins to direct us through prayer. Another way is through the power of his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit, uh, when we receive Christ, we are filled with his Holy Spirit, and, and he can direct us and guide us and counsel us and encourage us and convict us if that's what we need. And, and so it's the, the power of the Holy Spirit working on us, and, and it, that's one of the ways that he renews our mind or changes the way that we think. Now, the reason all of this is so important is that last part in verse 2. It says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You know what one of the biggest questions we get as pastors here, all five pastors, we get this question all the time. Well, how am I going to know what God's will is? How, how do I know what God wants me to do? How do I know if I'm doing the right thing? How do I know if I, am I supposed to take this job? Am I supposed to marry this guy? Am I supposed to, I mean, we're always so concerned about the will of God. Everyone wants to know the will of God. And this tells us in two verses, look, um, if you allow God to change your thinking, allow him to renew your mind, then he's going to reveal his, word, his will to you. And not just his will, but his good and pleasing and perfect will. I love that. Uh, that's what I want. I, I want to know what that is for my life. Now, let me ask you, if, I, if we put all of you on the spot today and said, do you know what God's will is for you, would you be able to answer that? Would you be able to answer the question, do you know how God is using you right now in this moment? In this season of your life, do you know how God is using you? Do, do you know what the ministry is that he's working in and through you right now. Because every one of us are called to ministry. We're all ministers in Christ. He's got something for you. Like God is using you in a certain way, a particular way. Uh, we're going to talk more about that here in a minute. But um, do you know what that is? Could you answer that question? If not, then 2022 could be a very, very big year for you. 
Uh, we keep a- asking the question, what does Jesus want for Christmas? And this is the last one that we're going to cover in this series. I just want to share it with you this morning. I believe uh, if we're asking, based on what we read this morning, what does Jesus want for Christmas? And even though we're day from uh, out of Christmas, I would still say it this way. Uh, God wants you to learn what his will is. Jesus hopes that you would discover God's will for your life. Uh, and, and I would say it a different way. Maybe um, discover your calling in 2022. Like Jesus wants you to discover your calling in 2022. Um, can you imagine what would happen if everyone in this church, uh, we were considered a body, right? The body of Christ. If all of us discovered what our calling was in 2022, can you imagine what would happen? Imagine what would happen in your life. Imagine what would happen in your family. What would happen in our communities if we all discovered God's calling on our lives, his will for our lives, it would be absolutely incredible. Uh, I don't know if you can think of it this way, but um, what would happen, like in your own body, if you couldn't control your body? Like, like for instance, your, your left leg all of a sudden decided it wasn't going to move. What would happen to you? Right? That, would that be frustrating? Uh, you wouldn't operate properly. Things would have to change, right? Or maybe a lung decided to take the whole summer off, Right? Um, can you imagine what would happen in your body? See, and again, the church, when it's talked about in Scripture, is called the body of Christ. We are all part of the body. He brings us all together. You're not here by accident, by the way. Uh, We're all here through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's drawn us here for a calling, for a will. He's got a will for us. And if we all discover that calling, guess what God could do with a group of people that were in community with each other that were chasing after his will? Could you imagine... See, I think 2022 could be one of those years where God moves in a mighty way through his people if we're pursuing his calling. Um, Now, it's helpful to us to understand this calling, I I think, by by breaking it out in three different sections. There's actually four, but the fourth one's not used as much. So I'm going to give you all four of them, but we're going to mainly talk about the first three. Uh, Let me just kind of run through the different callings that God places on our lives, and then you can take an internal a checklist, all right? Figure out where you're at in this whole thing. First of all, we have this first calling, which is called the calling of salvation. And this is the call where um, all of us are drawn by the Holy Spirit to God, and we have a decision to make to receive Him as Christ or not. That's salvation, right? And so some of you, you've already, you've already received Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've answered that call. I think that's for every one of us. That's a salvation calling is what that is. The second calling is one we call the calling of the moment. It's how we live our lives. See, there's a call for us uh, every day as we face our day in response to the multiple demands on our lives. How are we going to respond to that? These these immediate duties and responsibilities that we have as as teens or parents or grandparents or uh, boss or employee or mom or whatever it is for you, whatever roles that you fulfill, how do you do that in a way that glorifies and honors God? Shepherds went back to the field glorifying and praising God. How do you do that on a daily basis right where you're at in all the different roles that you play? And it's not a sense of burden as much as it is just chasing after God in everything that we do. Uh, I like to say this is discipleship. This is just learning to become more like Christ every day is what it is. Every day, no matter what you face, no matter what conversation you have, no matter what you're facing in that day, how do you glorify and honor God in that? It's called the the calling of the moment. And then there's a third one called the calling of kingdom. 
the calling of kingdom. And this is an individual specific calling for each and every one of us, which is, uh, I think it's our purpose and our mission. Uh, it's a reason for being, for living, for, for moving, for getting up in the morning. It's, it's the way that we honor God in a very, very unique calling, the way that we're designed to chase after him, follow him, and to do his will. This is a very unique one. This is where we're going to focus most of our morning. But the fourth one, just so you know what it is, is the calling of vocation. Sometimes, and, and I'm one of them, um, sometimes vocation does line up directly with your other callings. Okay, And you end up doing it as a job. That's not always the case. Uh, when it happens, it's just a sheer gift when, when your calling and your occupation line up. But sometimes our vocation is simply just a means for us to, to out just to live out this calling that God has placed on our lives, this, this uh, you know, kingdom calling and everything else, the calling of the moment. It's just a way of living it out at work. Whether we are in ministry or we're doing something else for a living, it doesn't really matter. Or it provides space for people, for, other, for those other callings to take place. And so we can actually call other people into this, this role of salvation, this calling of salvation for other people at work, at school, whatever it is. So um, our occupation doesn't always have to do with vocation, uh, vocational ministry. Does that make sense? So am, am I muddying that a little bit? Let me, let me just say it this way. Uh, one of the things that we were challenged with years ago, even way before I was a minister, uh, I was actually a state patrol officer at that time, and we went to um, a gathering of a bunch of people. We were going through a class together, and we were just kind of seeking what God's will was for us, and, and they made us write this out. They said, uh, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ disguised as a whatever it was. And my wife at the time, she was like a, a secretary, right? And I, at the time, was a police officer, disciple of Jesus Christ disguised as a police officer. That's what I was. And so that, that's that idea of, hey, it's not always a vocational thing for everyone, but it's always a, it's always a vehicle for ministry. Does that make more sense? Um, so no matter what it is that you do, I want you to know that you're still called as a minister of Christ. It doesn't always have to be a job. It doesn't have to be a pastor, Right? Um, A good example of this is the Apostle Paul. He was actually a tent maker, and yet he had a calling to be an apostle and a church planner and an author. And so um, it's it's one of the things that we get reversed, I think. And and so let me just make this statement real quick so you don't misunderstand what I'm saying this morning. Ministry vocation is in no way, listen to me, no way higher, no way higher value, no more higher priority than any other job, Okay? We just have the honor of being able to serve as a pastor. It means that if you're a, a bartender or if you're a, a gardener or if you're a teacher or, or if you're a, a pharmacist, um, I, I am in no way at a higher place than you are, okay? Um, I just have the honor of serving and doing this as an occupation. That's it. But the reality is no matter if you're a, a gardener or a pharmacist, you need, to be, you need to be a disciple of Jesus Christ as well in preaching the gospel. Does that make more sense? Okay, a few heads are nodding. Okay, I hope, we, I hope we're getting this because I'm trying to shift this as we get into 2022. We, we hit on it some this last year, this idea that every one of us are priests, every one of us are ministers. We're all supposed to be preaching the gospel. It is on us to take the gospel into the world. Um, and, and so I want us to take this seriously in 2022 because if we get this, I think some amazing things are going to happen. Uh, there's a biblical fact that says that work is a means of service, and it's offered to God as an offering. We work as though unto God and not unto men, is what it says. 
So no matter what it is that you do, whether you're a pastor or a pharmacist or a teacher or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. We're all offering this as an offering to God. Uh, Now, the biblical foundation for our vocation and our kingdom callings is this assumption that we're called to be stewards of the gifts and the abilities and the opportunities that God gives us. And, And when we speak about being stewards of life, something something else has to be stressed, and it's this. We are called to steward not some ideal of what life is supposed to be, because this is the other mistake that we make. We think that God is going to, um, he's going to move in a mighty way, and we're going to be glorified in that. Like, um, we're going to speak up for his name, and everyone are going to, they're going to look at you and go, oh, you're so awesome, you're so great, Right? Um, the other thing that happens is that we think that since we're Christians, that uh, our life is going to be glorious. It's going to be grand. Like, uh, we're going to have the big house and the big car, right? And, and, and here's what happens. When we're not glorified, which that's a whole other message, uh, people don't praise us for speaking up for Jesus. We're actually persecuted because of that. Scripture says, hey, you're blessed, for suffering for my name, but somehow we think that we should be glorified, or if life doesn't turn out the way that we want, like we didn't get the husband or the wife that we thought we were going to get, or the kids didn't turn out the way we wanted, or the house isn't what we wanted, and all of a sudden we start going, am I doing this right? Maybe I missed God's will, right? Here's, here's the point I want to make with this. It is our sacred duty to accept and even embrace the life that God has given us. Do I need to say that again? It is our sacred duty to accept and even embrace the life that God has given us. The life that is in your hands. And I'm looking around the room right now, and I'm, I'm making eye contact with a lot of different people, and I'm going, man, we have a diverse group in here. Very diverse. You all have different things in your hands. Some of you, you have not been able to have children. Some of you, you've got more kids you know what to do with. Like, you don't even remember all their names. <laughs> right? Some of you, you have a, a job that, that you get a bonus that is more than most of the people in this church make in an entire year. Some of you, you're working two jobs. You're scrapping to make ends meet right now. And see, here's, here's the problem. We look at our life and we go, I don't know if God's really blessing me. Maybe I missed it. Am I doing something wrong? Am I? No, no, no. Not at all. Here's what I would say to you. Accept and embrace where you're at in the moment. And know that God is in that with you. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to be so much happier in understanding that, yes, we're struggling and we're having potato soup again tonight, but God is with us. Or, God has blessed us tremendously this year. God, what do you want us to do with this? See, if we, if we find ourselves in that place, this next year is going to be absolutely amazing. It's going to be incredible. We're going to be in that place, in that mindset, that place where God can actually speak to us and he can use us. Um, I think this is such a critical point for us when we're talking about calling because so often we look at our lives and we think we've missed the calling and that's not it at all. Sometimes our calling is right where we're at. And we're so busy going, God, I don't understand it. I'm just not happy. I got that we're missing the calling. We're not doing what he's called us to do. Let's embrace where we're at. 
See, I don't want us to think that we're just workers for God. You are children of God who are called to work. You're children of God called to a certain ministry, to reach certain people, to proclaim his gospel in your certain neighborhood or your town or, or your family. Our work is never the primary expression of our identity. Our identity is always in Christ. And our work flows out of that. Is that making more sense? Okay. So with that being said, let's move to these callings real quick. The calling of salvation, uh, this is such an odd Sunday. It's right after Christmas. It's the 26th. And, and uh, most people, I have met two new people here today. Welcome. We're thrilled that you're here. Uh, awesome. So, but I, I want to speak to those of you that are MVF members because I know for the most part, this was going to be one of those Sundays where it was going to be mainly MVF family members. Okay. So I knew that. I, I acknowledged that. So in my message, uh, I was assuming, looking at the salvation of calling, that most of you have already received this calling. This is a lifelong calling. You've received Christ. You're a disciple of Jesus Christ. This is the only one that goes all the way through life. The others are seasonal. God sometimes will move. He'll, he'll, uh, he'll move us somewhere. He'll send us somewhere. He'll bring us somewhere, right? Even in this church, we've seen where God has brought people and he sent people. We know those are seasonal. Uh, but this calling of salvation is for a lifetime. Second one, a calling of moment this, this living out our life of Christ daily, uh, there's this uh, daily walk with him that changes, it seems like, every day, right? It seems like certain seasons we struggle with certain things, and it's, it's this constant sacrificing of ourselves. We sung it this morning, I surrender, right? Why do we do that every Sunday when it's like, I've already, I've already surrendered my life to Christ? You know why? Because living sacrifices have this knack of crawling off the altar. We do. Like we run from God in certain seasons and we need to come back. We need to be called back. And, and so this, this calling of a moment, it depends on where you're at. Some people can say, hey, I've been walking with Christ for 25 years and man, right now it just seems like God is distant. Like I'm struggling and right? You know what I'm talking about. This calling of a moment is this ongoing everyday thing. Now there's certain things in this calling that, that apply to all of us. Like being generous, right? Loving each other. Loving the world around us. Fighting for justice, right? There, there's certain things that we know that we're supposed to be doing. And so this is what uh, this calling is all about. Doing the things that we know that we're supposed to be doing. For many of us, when we're missing it on this calling for the, of the moment, it's because we're not doing the things that we know we're supposed to be doing. Like most of us, we know what we're supposed to be doing. We're just like, eh, I really like my sin right now, right? We're, we're wrestling with God. We're struggling in that calling of the moment. Um, this, this whole calling of the moment, I think, is just this idea of, of being discipled. Do you have a discipler? Do you have somebody that's walking with you and challenging you and growing you up in Christ? If not, you need that. And then I want you to turn around and I want you to disciple somebody else. Disciple a couple of other people, right? This is, what we're, this is the life of Christ. Discipling and being discipled. Discipling and being discipled. And so if you're not doing that, man, get into that. 2022 is your year. We want everyone in here being discipled and discipling. And then we have the calling of kingdom. Um, you want to find out what your mission is? You want to find out what your purpose is? Which is one of the biggest questions that we have. This is where you're at. It's the calling of kingdom. So here's what I want to do with the time that we have left. I want to run through some ideas on how you can discover our, your calling for kingdom. All right. First one is spiritual gifts. 
When you receive Christ, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're told several places in Scripture that God gives us spiritual gifts. And those spiritual gifts are not just for ourselves. They're to be exercised for the health of the body, for the church. And so we've said this so often. If you're not exercising those spiritual gifts, then as a body, we're suffering. Um, Like I said, the long taking the summer off, right? It, It can't work. It just doesn't work like it's supposed to. And so we want everyone in here to identify your spiritual gifts. And if you don't know how to do that, come talk to us. We have some some short little tests that you can take to help you discover what your spiritual gifts are. But then we want you to exercise them, put them into practice within the body of Christ. See, God is not calling you to something that he has not gifted you for. And it happens all the time. We have people come up and they're like, I really think I need to be in the band. I need to be singing. And we're like, all right, sing for us a little bit. Um, Honey, I hate to tell you this, right? God has not given you the gift, right? This is where we're at. And so you've got to figure out what your gifts are so you know where you need to be serving in the body to edify, to build up the body. If they put me on the worship team and gave me a microphone, it would not edify the body. All right, I'm just being honest. And so what we do is we try, to, we try to build on those spiritual gifts. Why? Because God's the one that chooses those. God grants those, and then we, we exercise them. Now, uh, go back to Romans chapter 12, verse 6 and 8. You probably thought I forgot the rest of that passage. You're like, wait a minute. He didn't read the whole thing, right? I was saving it for right here. Uh, Romans chapter 12, 6 through 8 says this. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. We've all been given gifts. Have you identified them? Are you, are you exercising those gifts within the body? If not, let me just tell you this, we're hurting. We need you. We need you to do it. Because God has a will for you. He has a calling for you within his body. Now maybe you're thinking, well, God hasn't given me a gift. Like, like I just don't, I've never really experienced a gift. I don't know if I've really got one. But yet I'm a believer. Like I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I know that. I'm, I'm saved. Okay. Uh, guess what? You do have a gift. Um, 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to what? Serve one another. Right? That's what we're supposed to be doing. So yes, you have a gift. The question is not whether you have it or not. The question is have you identified it or not. Um, another, another one, number two, for for discovering your calling, your kingdom calling, uh, I would say is skills. Now, don't underestimate this one. This one is so powerful and it's so important. Uh, God has gifted you with skills. And, and these you probably already know. Like you're probably working in an area. If you're blessed, you probably have an occupation where you're actually exercising some of those skills. It could be everything, everything from like organization, right? Um, you're type of administrator, you're very organized, to a person who, uh, I don't know, is uh, really good in finance, to somebody who works with their hands, maybe a mechanic, maybe carpentry. You know, what are the skills that God has given you? And identify those. This will help you to discover your kingdom calling. Um, now, if, let me just build on the last one just for one, um, just to make a point real quick. One point. This isn't in my notes, so I'm, I'm struggling here uh, because I, I want to make this. Um, like carpentry, I just threw that one out. 
You realize that we are finishing up a, a Christmas series here, and next year we already have our series laid out. We already know what we want the set design to look like. We already know what the photo booth in the lobby is going to look like next year. If I had people who had the uh, gift of carpentry, man, we could start drawing that up right now. We could start working on it way in advance. That's, that's just an idea. It's a, it's a way that these skills are used within the body of Christ to, to build up his church, to reach more and more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, um, obviously, we have spiritual gifts, we have skills. Number three, we have holy discontent. Now, this one uh, needs a little bit of an explanation because um, this, this is a, a phrase that we've held on to for a very long time. It was used years ago, and I think it does a very good job of explaining this one. Um, do you remember, uh, those of you that watched Popeye growing up, do you remember that cartoon? Like he's a sailor guy, right? He'd get beat up or whatever, and it, it would push him to a certain point, and then he'd get to this place where he'd say, you know, um, I've had enough, right? Do you remember what he used to say? I know I'm dating myself with this, but I'm throwing it out there anyway. He would finally have it, right? And he would eat a can of what? Spinach, Spinach right. Okay, so you guys know that. Um, wow. <laughs> vegetables. Ugh. Anyway, so he'd eat his spinach, and all of a sudden, he'd become this strong guy, and he'd take care of business, right? But, but there was this point that he would have to reach, right? Uh, in your spiritual life, that's the holy discontent. That's the point that you would have to get to, where you said, enough is enough. I can't take it any longer. I got to do something about this, Right? So have you discovered what that holy discontent, uh, discontent is for you? My wife and I, when we moved to Strasbourg uh, back in 1995, uh, this was my first duty station on the state patrol. Um, I, I, I've arrested people in this room. I'm not looking at anybody. I'm just saying it, all right? Um, it was a crazy job walked into some of the most sad situations, devastated homes, knocked on doors and broke news to people I didn't want to, I didn't want to give them. Um, I think God was doing that in hindsight to break our heart for this area. And I get asked a lot um, when I'm at pastor's conferences and stuff, and they go, well, why'd you, why'd you leave State Patrol and become a police officer? My, my patent answer, the easiest way I can say it is, I got tired of being reactive and I wanted to be proactive. I got tired of having them sit in my car and go, man, you need Jesus. To today, I'm trying to get ahead of it and go, you need Jesus. So you don't end up there, all right? And so God was doing that, and, and he brought us through all that and, and to a place where we're like, this area needs Jesus. Somebody's got to do something. And nobody's doing anything. And God kept going, I'm asking you. And we go, no, not us. Somebody needs to do something. Somebody else, right? And that went on for two years. Oh, I'll be honest. I was rebellious for two years. We rejected God's calling for two years. Before finally my wife came to me and she said, if we don't do this, we will never be happy. And you know what she was talking about? Holy discontent. What is it for you? What is it for you? Is it the fact that there's a group of people over in Vietnam called the Thai Dom that don't know Jesus? Like an entire group. They're trying to translate things into their language. They haven't heard Jesus yet. Is it, is it sex trafficking? 
Do you know that we're sitting on an international airport right here that's like 20 minutes away from our house? One of the number one sex, um, sex trafficking points in the world. They're snatching young girls out of here and shipping them and flying them out of here so fast. Is it the fact that your neighbor doesn't have enough to make it next year? What's your holy discontent? Is it your friend down the street that doesn't know Christ? Somebody's got to tell, somebody's got to tell him. What is it for you? What is your holy discontent? What is it that God is drawing your heart to? Um, Frederick uh, Buckner said this, the place God calls you to is a place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. I think that's a good description of a holy discontent. What is it for you? Enough is enough. Something's got to be done. Um, Let me give you one more. Place and people. Maybe this is a place in people. I've seen this happen a lot where God just takes somebody somewhere. I was talking to somebody this morning. They were, they were like, man, I really want to go to Bolivia. And I'm like, man, if you do, it'll change your life, right? And you know what? We've gone on mission trips for people before where people have come back and they just, they just couldn't live anymore. They were just like, God, God's called me. I got to go. I got to go. And we've seen that. There's a certain people or there's a place that just breaks their heart. God broke their heart for them. For us, again, it was right here in Strasbourg. It was all of you. We're just like, man, Jesus need, he, he needs a voice out here. People need Jesus, and there's no one out there proclaiming him, and, and somebody's got to do it. And, and it was so funny because we were actually sent to a, a church planning assessment center out in Tennessee. My wife and I went to this assessment, and for two weeks they grilled us, right, just to see if we would even be good material for pastors. I thought I was going to become a youth pastor, and they were going to ship me somewhere. And they kept asking, where do you want to go? And I'm like, well, I don't care. We'll go anywhere. Like, like, just put us, I want to be a youth pastor. Put me with somebody that's going to be the senior pastor, somebody's going to be a worship pastor. Send us somewhere, and I'm going, to meet, I'm going to reach some youth for Jesus. That's what I want to do, man. And they're like, well, where do you want to go? I don't know. I don't, ca- I, don't, I don't care. We'll go anywhere. Where do you want to go? I don't care. And finally, after two days of that question, I finally just blew up on them, and they said, look, if you're looking for a place that needs Jesus, why don't you do something about the eastern Colorado, that, that, that I-70 corridor? Nobody knows Jesus out there. Why don't you go plant a church out there, man? And I could see the whole board just sit back and they started smiling. And I was like, oh, crap. (laughs) Right? And then they said, we want to plant a church with you out there. And I said, okay, who's going to be the lead pastor? And they said, no, no, you're not hearing us. We want to plant a church with you out there. No, that's not what I signed on for. That's not why we're here. No, right? So another two days. And finally, some guy said, look, Don, you're a high C personality. You need a butt kicker in your life. I'm going to be your butt kicker. You need to go plant this church. That's why we're here. That's why you're here. Because somebody spoke up. And guys, thank you. But you guys know that that's, I'm just sharing this with you because I want to see the same thing happen in your life. I thought, man, I don't want to leave the patrol. I loved what I was doing. But I knew God was calling me into ministry. We went there. We came back here. God has a plan. God has a pleasing and perfect plan if you're looking for it. People in place might be the answer for you. So let me, let me just wrap up with this. When we ask the question, what is God calling me to do with my life? 
and specifically at this time in my life, we're wise to begin by responding intentionally to two commands that Paul gave us, actually in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. If you were going to sum all that up, you would say it this way. Don't think of yourself too highly. And then number two, use the gifts and grace that you've been given. Don't think of yourself too highly and use the gifts that God's given you. Go and do it. Just do it and let God direct and lead you. God is not looking for availability. He's look, I'm sorry, he's not looking for ability. He's looking for availability, right? Because I have nothing. I was, a, I was a cop. That's all I was. But when you, when you walk into that, God will take care of all the rest. God wants to do something amazing this next year. Now, we have some questions that we want to uh, give you. Um, here's, here's what I'm going to do. Instead of putting them up, I want to challenge you. Um, the MVF Colorado app, under the Sunday's tab, message uh, notes, has all the questions. If you want to seek God's calling further, I would encourage you to go and read through those questions. Those questions will give you some insight as you answer those questions, give you some insight on maybe where God is leading you and where your calling will be in 2022. And that's my desire for each and every one of us, that we would answer that calling this next year. Can I pray for us? Would you join me in that? Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. We ask in this moment that you would speak into our minds and hearts, Lord. Um, God, I want to I see your body alive and moving like you and, and, and just reaching our community. God, we, we want our hearts to be broken for what breaks yours. And I know that's a, that's a dangerous prayer to pray. But Lord, that's what we want. We want to be your church in your hands. And we want to look like you. But God, that only happens if each and every part does what they're called to do. And Lord, I just pray that today would be the day where we'd make a New Year's resolution that would actually count something more important than losing a few pounds, one that would change our lives, one that would change the lives of the people around us, maybe even in a foreign country. Lord, we give this all to you. We just ask that your name is glorified above all else. Do what only you can do in this next year here at Mountain View Fellowship, Lord. We give you all these things. We ask that your name is glorified above all else. And all God's people agreed and said,